the mood for Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast on, on Pantheon Podcasts, where you can go to find your most preferred style genre, music genre, podcast. That's right. Follow With me is Jason, media. as always. What's the what's the news? What what do you got for what's scoop? The news? Scoop. Ah, uh, yeah. So Joyous Wolf. You know, we had Nick, uh, the singer, on years ago. Uh, Nick left the band last year, and it sounds like Joyous Wolf though is going to go on with the new lead singer. He played with them over the weekend at a show in L.A. They haven't released his name, which is weird, but he's in plenty of the videos. So, Brian, it should oh, be okay. interesting to see who this gentleman is. But he's got a great voice, different, a little bit different than Nick. You know, Nick's his own mm-hmm. character. Right. But uh, I'm, I, I like Joyous Wolf's music. I like that hard rock with that little bit of southern rock to it. So, I'm happy they're going to continue on, and I'm excited to hear who the lead, new lead singer is. So, is there like video of this this cat singing with them? Yeah, on in, on their Instagram, on the Joyous Wolf, and then Blake Allard, the lead guitar player's Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably stuff on YouTube or Facebook, but okay. I saw it on That's Instagram, cool. I think on Sunday or Monday. So it's there floating around. Cool. Check it out. Uh, it you pointed me out, and for this, Framing the Red's got a new record. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, I've listened to a little bit and enjoyed uh, uh, what I've heard so far. So so have I, and they have a uh, a good cover, "Rocking Into the Night" on there too. Yeah, yeah, three for the show. Three for the show. It's a three piece band. They're a trio. So uh, you're seeing what's your show coming up? You got a show we're going to see today because we release these on Friday. Today I am seeing Blackberry Smoke in Columbus, Ohio, at Newport Music Hall, which is a great rock place. Right across from Ohio State's campus. I am so looking forward to those guys again live. My favorite live band. Probably your favorite live band or close to it. And playing some of the new material from their album they just released last week. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see the boys play. Yeah, and I get to see them on March 15th. And looking forward to hearing the new stuff live as well. Yeah, man. Like, Listen, those guys never disappoint. It's always a great live show. And... If you're listening and you haven't seen Blackberry Smoke live, you, we, Brian and I will not steer you wrong. They put on a spectacular show. They're always like two hours long. Never a bad note. They, they are literally, they are the best live band rocking, in my opinion. For sure, yeah. And I thought of uh, get a little news thing here. You know, and I sent you, uh, told you about it last night. I saw last night, uh, there's like a little half-hour documentary on Kiefer Band, and we saw our friend Tony Hig- Tony Tony Higby is on there, 
obviously he's in the band and is very cool to see. And, you know, I, I mentioned the one thing I mentioned is that I didn't know there was a uh, version of Nobody's Fool that they cut with Lizzie Hale. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, we got a bunch of people living in Nashville and Lizzie Hale, you know, she loves the 80s and 90s hard rock um, and she plays reverence to it. And I tell you what, if you're going to pair up with somebody from that era, you could do much worse than Tom Kiefer because he's one of my favorites. And I know you haven't watched it yet, but I was I it was cool. There's like a little towards the end, there's a little cameo of another Nashville guy. It's pretty cool. Do oh so is it? I got to figure out who it is. Sure. Well, I mentioned it's a, a, an alumni. Was well, it Higby? Guy. Well, he's of course he's on that. It's somebody else. Mm. Did Did you tell it to me before we were recording and I forgot? Yeah. Well, last night Damn I mentioned it. it's a uh, uh, podcast alumni Nashville guy that's been on twice. Nashville guy podcast been on twice. Oh, good lord! So Higby, um, Ace has been on more than twice, right? Yeah. So it's not him. Who could it be? Oh, I'm getting stumped. And you, should I cheat and look on Facebook, Brian? If you I mean, want, I could just tell you too. Why don't you just tell could, me? Because good lord, my brain is melting. Yeah, uh, this guy. Um, has like you know Charlie Star ribs him about the kind of guitars he prefers to play. Oh, Tyler Bryant, yeah. him Here and then Caleb do the drummer. It's like right at the end of the thing, and they're looking at a Les Paul that that Tom has. Oh no shit! And talking about if you've ever seen any of the uh, video for Cinderella, I think it was in uh, the Last Mile where their tech guy they could freaking throw. <laughs> Or yeah, yeah, all the way across the stage to catch it, and then but he uh, something about it dropped one time. I don't know if it was in that or tripping on a cord, or whatever, but it must be because he said all the times they've thrown it, they never dropped it, but like just tripping over a cord or something, it got this less ball got dropped, or whatever, but it didn't do much damage. But looks like a old vintage Paul that they're looking at. When we get Tom Kiefer on here one day with the help of Tony Higby, thanks, Tony. Um. I want to talk to him about his progression with guitars because he actually, I think we started out with Cinderella. He's playing strats and then kind of switched to Gibson and Les Paul. Mm -hmm. And the last time I saw him play, he was playing a firebird. So I just, right. I'd be curious about what, when, it, you know, why he switched. Was it sound? Was it come? I don't know, but I love guitars. You love guitars. We love Tom Kiefer. So that is on my list of questions to ask him. Right. Well, let's get to our guests, our guest coming up here. Um, Miss Sari Shore from Brooklyn, blues, from Brooklyn, blues rock singer uh, from New York City. You know, from we we're discovering a lot of great artists in this genre uh, from the city, and it keeps growing. You know, and she she was great. Like I didn't know much about her. Checked out that the record she's done with Robin Trower. Listened to her live from Europe. Stuff. What a powerhouse vocalist. She is a great singer. Um, yeah. And cool shit, too. You'll, For you'll sure, find yeah. Out very charming. Very cool. Great to talk to. A lot of good music. And uh, you guys, as well, will enjoy our conversation. So kick back, relax, and listen to our conversation with Sari Shore.
We've arrived at the guest segment of the podcast. I throw it over to Jason to introduce our guests to you guys. And I'm always excited to introduce the guests. Tonight with us, we have on a great New York-based blues artist, Sari Shore. How are you doing, Sari? Great, Jason. Thank you so much. How are you, Brian? I am good. I am good. How's everything in Brooklyn? Oh, the sun was shining. You know, the sun always shines in Brooklyn. Don't don't <laughs> anything else I tell you. <laughs> Never rains. <laughs> well, we, we it's were... shiny in Ohio, Brian. Where's it? Is it? Oh no, it's cloud cover here. Yeah, but like unseasonably it. warm for February up here. But so we were talking beforehand. We've got some mutual friends there in Brooklyn. We mentioned Andy yeah. Aldort, who we're going to be talking to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Tell him I said hello. We will. Yeah, he um well, Brian, he is so talented. And so Brian, you already let in this, so I'll go ahead and say it. Talking to Andy yesterday a little bit, he said he was very amazed at how good your voice sounds live because he had heard your recordings and was on stage with you and just said it sounds even better live. So he told me to pass that along. Oh that well, Andy, if you're listening, and I'm sure you are, thank you for that. And, you know, a lot of that is because I am inspired by the people I work with. And I love, you know, I come from playing live and I've worked really, really hard to hone my craft. And I have to say, the kind of amazing thing for me is as I'm getting older, my voice is finally getting to that place that I was always trying to reach, but you know, when, when I was in my 20s and 30s, it was just not attainable. And I'm I'm still like kind of amazed myself sometimes. <laughs> I like I do stuff and I look over and the band is, you know, they've got their mouths hanging open and I, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> <laughs> is it something that you're doing, like more vocal exercise or anything, or is it just like the natural progression of a maturity? I think a lot of it is the natural progression of maturity. My voice has grown um, deeper and fuller, richer, you know, that tone where you, you just, you can't, you can't fake that when you're in your twenties and, you know, just whatever, whatever you do, when you do it for a long time and you love what you do and you just want to get better and better every day, no matter what it is, you know, anyone listening, whatever job you have, when you dedicate yourself to it and you just want to be the best version of yourself, you can be doing that thing. I think you can only get better. So when when did you start honing this craft? Like when, when did you start singing and deciding you're going to sing for a living, be a musician? So my mother has, my mother has a photo that she keeps <laughs> on her desk. I think I'm about four years old with my mouth wide open, my arms spread out, and I am just wailing, you know, whatever song. <laughs> and she said I was really singing before I could talk, before I could walk properly. It was just always, you know, really embedded in in who I was. Did did your parents play a lot of music? Like, I mean, where was your exposure to music growing up? Yeah, they did. My, my mom was playing piano when she was pregnant with me. So, huh? yeah. You know, wow. who knows? what kind of impact that had my my father had a deep passion for rock and blues and he 
he was a jet fighter pilot. So, you know, everything in his life was all about energy and power and dynamics. And, and I learned that from my father and my mom was a fashion model and she was shy and reserved. And I learned, you know, the nuance and subtlety from her. So was- I did read that on your Wikipedia, like your dad is a pilot and your mom's a fashion. My co- I mean, that's like a fighter pilot and a fashion model. Like, can it be any cooler? <laughs> yeah. And you know, the, their personalities could could not have been more different and their musical tastes were reflected in their personalities as well. So I was exposed to everything from rock, you know, Rolling Stones, Led Zeppelin to. Um, That's all you need is Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Yeah, really. But my mom was into jazz and she loved Ray Charles and she loved R&B. So Stevie Wonder, uh, Nat King Cole, the jazz artist that I got from my mom. Were you like in choir or was there singing in church? Did you ever do that? or Choir. I was always I was always in the school choir, um, but I was shy. I was really shy when I was in high school. So I was very happy to be in a choir uh, because I... I, I never, you know, really um, thought I would feel comfortable in the role of being a, a solo artist. I always wanted to be a part of a band, be a part of someone else's band. You know, calling attention to myself was not the thing that, that was a motivating factor <laughs> in my love of uh, music and wanting to pursue it professionally. That was something I really had to overcome and, be, and get comfortable with. Yeah, I think too. Um, you started out as a backup singer, didn't you? For people before you kind of proceeded to front your own. Yeah, and I, I, I have to tell you, when I, I, I worked with Joe Lewis Walker and with Papa Chubby, and I would watch these guys do interviews before show, backstage, and then you know do radio, do TV, we, and then have to go on stage. And I was just so grateful that all I had to worry about was singing and trying to be the best singer I could be for, for them. And being a part of something bigger than myself also made me feel like, like I had this strong sense of family around me. And I honestly thought I could never do the job of a lead vocalist, a lead artist, because I thought, you know, I'll, I'll never be able to do, you know, an interview and go right from an interview right to the stage, you know, that would be, you know, to, too overwhelming. So <laughs> at what point did you decide you're going to front the band well, going from background singer to you? Okay. I'm doing this. It was really thanks to Joe Lewis Walker because he said, you know, you've got to spread your wings. You have got to take this on. You can do this. And he encouraged me. And I, when I first stepped into it, I really wasn't, I was not confident at all, but I was very, very lucky with Mike Vernon stepping in to produce my debut album because Mike really gave me the confidence to believe in myself, to know that I really, I I could do this, that I had something of value that I could create for other people. And, you know, with, with Mike's blessing and support, that that really enabled me to step out, you know, as as a solo artist. 
So with your band, are you playing with the same band? Has that been for a while? Or what's that process when you go, okay, I got to put a band together? Yeah. Well, the big challenge for me is my sense of loyalty. Um, but it's it's really difficult when you don't have musicians on retainer, when you when you can't just hire guys and say, okay, your entire schedule now belongs to me. You, I'm getting, I'm getting closer to the point where I hope I will be in a position to do that because I love working with the same guys. But right now, it is not a position that I'm in. So I've been very, very lucky though. I've worked with the same guitar player, Ash Wilson, for about six years. But I have a new lineup with my drummer who is Lee Morris from the band Magnum. Uh, and he's just been able to step into my band. Uh, and bass player Chris Cliff, who's an absolute genius. And because of the Robin Trower record that I'm going mm -hmm. out to promote now, because we recorded that as this power trio, I decided it would be most authentic if I went out as a power trio as well. So this is the first time that I'm working in that configuration. So yeah, it's going to be very exciting. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So, like we were talking in the intro, like we know other people, you know, we've talked to other folks from Brooklyn. It seems like there's like, I, I don't know what word to put on the scene there, but, you know, it's not specifically 12 bar, you know, Chicago style blues, it's blues based. But I don't know. I don't know what word to say, but there's a seems like a really, really cool, mature, solid, you know, scene or vibe there amongst this kind of music. There, there is, and I think that it has to do with the amount of influence that comes into New York City. You're exposed 
to a lot of different cultures, uh, people with lots of different backgrounds and people not only from all over the country, but from all over the world coming here. So you're exposed to a lot, a lot of other musical genres and that infuses its way into the subconscious. So Brian kind of alluded and you, you did as well. You've got this record you're out promoting with, you know, a pretty outstanding, legendary guitar player, Robin Trower, and it's Joyful Sky. Can you tell us a little bit how this, you know, this came about, how you got the gig, the record, all, all kind of everything about it? Well, it was all by accident, actually. And the best thing uh, as the best things <laughs> happen by accident. Right. They really do. You have to always be open to surprises. Robin heard that I was recording an album and asked my manager if he could write a couple of songs for me. And my manager and I discussed it and I felt absolutely, I would love to hear Robin's take on songs written specifically for me. Um, I had been out on tour. So Robin started sending me recordings and these, these are priceless. Just Robin singing and playing acoustic guitar. Wow. And he would send me a track. And then when I would get back to the hotel after a show, I would plug in my little focus right and my mic and I would record a vocal. He would send me a, an instrumental track as well. So I would listen, learn, and he, and he would take photos of the lyrics, handwritten lyrics, <laughs> and email those over. So I would like do a real quick study of the songs and because it was just for reference, didn't have to be perfect. I would. You could tell them like your lyrics suck. I'm doing <laughs> my lyrics. <laughs> you know, it's really the the most surprising thing. Besides really loving what he was doing musically for me, the lyrics just worked. They spoke to me, and really, I didn't know like how is how is Robin getting inside my head and saying things, you know, that are very very personal that I would say myself he read and, your diary obviously <laughs> he read that wikipedia page <laughs> so you know it was just kind of um a remarkable situation so when i started to send these songs back to him he he said okay you know what this is sounding great let's let's go into the studio and record and after the the first day he said, you know, this is so amazing working with you. If you're willing to put your solo album on hold and I put my solo album on hold, why don't we make a world-class record together? What do you think about that? And I said, I love the idea, Robin. Um, let's do it. Let's just do it. So then it was, you know, calling labels, management and okay, hello, everybody. Here's a new plan. <laughs> and everyone was excited. So we had the support from from mascot and management. And uh, it was just really incredible. So you kind of answered my next question was going to be, is that challenging at all to try and sing somebody else's lyrics? I've heard in cases with, with musicians where that, that can be kind of difficult if it's not coming from inside you, but, but uh, yeah. it, it seems like this time it worked out pretty good. Yeah, it did because I connected with the songs and there were a few that and Robin was really open-minded about this. He said, "Look, if something is not working for you, 
you know, really tell me and I'll, I'll just write another one. So there, there were a couple of songs that I liked, but I felt I'd rather have just put those on the side and see what else we might be able to come, come up with. But I became a songwriter initially because I never really enjoyed singing other people's songs with rare exceptions. That, that made me change my next question. So who have you really written before you became this singer? Who have you kind of written and worked with on writing songs? Well, I was working with my current producer and songwriting partner, Henning Gerke. And we set up a songwriting production company in Germany. And we had uh, the pleasure of working with some Sony artists um, when Sony had heard that there was a New Yorker uh, working with Henning. They started to bring us uh, artists that they wanted to break internationally. So the advantage was because I'm a native English speaker, believe it or not. That- <laughs> You're doing great. Thank you very much. (laughs) We started getting a lot of productions. And that's when I I slipped more into songwriter mode. And um, really for a couple of years, you know, I had put my own recording on hold and and stopped performing and just worked as a songwriter co-producer. Yeah, you know, and the Germans have a huge history of of great, you know, performers, you know, and I'm going to ask you this question. Normally this would be a, a lightning round question, but David Hasselhoff, good or great? <laughs> I only do choices. <laughs> so, well, it dep- I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a very diplomatic answer to that. There- if you're judging on commercial success without my opinion, my personal opinion, then he's great because he is a great commercial success. Yes. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Go. Now, going I back know to your- is listening to you. I know he listens. <laughs> so, uh, well, so we become friends with this producer out in, in California in LA, Adam Hamilton, who actually played with LA guns and other bands, but he does like William Shatner's records and, you know, Anne Margaret and all these other people. So Adam's probably done something with David Hasselhoff at this. Actually, he has done something with David Hasselhoff for sure. So, Adam, if you're listening, I know you are. We Hasselhoff fans here. Well, when I when I was producing the um, an Amnesty International project, and I was producing the European side of it, I asked Jane Birkin to be one of the singers on this song that we were producing. She's not a singer. But her performance, because I love the work she did with Serge Gainsbourg, and it was perfect. It was perfect for what, what I was looking for. So, you know, it is artistic expression comes in a wide variety of expression, right? So is it is it easier, less difficult to deal with record companies, you know, publishing deals, whatever, in Europe? Well, it it has been easier for me for several reasons. Uh, there is tr- tremendous appreciation mm-hmm. for blues and blues rock and, yeah, and yeah. things American, the things that we take for granted here. They really embrace there, and I, you know, sometimes, you know, when when we have exposure to so many things, we can 
it's just human nature. We tend to take things for granted. And um, there is a tremendous amount of support overseas for the kind of music that I love to do. Yeah. Uh, the fact that I was signed first to a UK label, that's what opened the doors for me uh, to s- start developing my solo career in the UK and then throughout Europe. Now you're 100% right. You know, most a lot of the artists that Brian and I speak to have bigger, better followings treated better in Europe because the European audiences, one, love, one, one they love um, actual American music, and two, they're happy when bands branch out and sound different, don't repeat the same record over and over again. And I think U.S. fans kind of want the same thing over and over again. Well, American fans are not given the luxury of having more open-minded radio programming. That's true. That's true. It's, yeah. And it's a big problem because you're hearing incredibly fragmented playlists where it's so mm-hmm. genre-specific. In Europe, they will play a blues song into a pop song, into an R&B song, into a, a hip-hop song. And, you know, it's it works. People appreciate the diversity and good music is good music. And right. this is what, uh, for whatever reason, I well, I think because it's the radio stations have such tremendous pressure to sell advertising, and they they need to convince advertisers that their station is where they should spend their money because if they play this specific music, very specific, very targeted, they will have this very specific audience. But they're underestimating people. We're all smarter than that. And we Mm -hmm. can all benefit from being exposed to a much greater diversity of music. Oh, oh, for sure. And I'll give a couple examples. The Grammys just happened and the best modern blues and the best Americana records are on the earlier non-broadcast section. But you had big names or well-known names winning. Jason Isbell for Americana and Larkin Poe for modern blues. But yeah, perfect chance to expose these artists to a wider national audience and nothing. You know, they keep everything under wraps. Yeah, it's a great loss for everybody, not just the artists, but for yeah. the listening public. So I don't know if this is sort of kind of repeating my question earlier, but because I gave my my but my impressions seem to be of Brooklyn. Why Brooklyn for you? I mean, did you grow up there? Because, you know, obviously we talked to a lot of people, a lot from the Southeast. So you get a lot of Nashville people. Uh, Atlanta's got a pretty solid thing going on. Um, we talked to a handful of people from Los Angeles and then you know, South Central Kentucky. So, so why, why Brooklyn for you? What is that the best, is that the best place for you to, to do your kind of music? Well, it was because of a guy. <laughs> I followed a guy here. <laughs> and yeah. And it was a good move because he turned out to be my husband. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I was, um, I grew up in Queens in Fresh Meadows and yeah, when I, I met my husband by accident, he checked me into a hotel in Manhattan because I was there to do a a, a record promo, trying trying to look important with the small record company that I was with. It was great for me because it was a luxury hotel, but 
you know, anytime you try to make something look important, it just looked like a vanity project, but I was having fun, but, but that's how I met him. So in your opinion, like of all the boroughs in New York city, is Brooklyn the best place to be if you're, you're trying to make a career with it? Uh, that's a, that's a hard question to answer because my experience is only here in Brooklyn. Um, and as I say that I'm, you know, realizing uh, people who know my touring schedule will say, what are you talking about? You're there maybe, you know, less than half, half of the year. Um, but I know Astoria has a very vibrant music scene as well. And Williamsburg in Brooklyn is probably the most active um, where a lot of really interesting new music is percolating and they've got great venues. So Williamsburg, I would say, you know, I have to give it to them as the really number one hotspot in Brooklyn. Why do you think that is? Uh, because first of all, when it used to be on the Lower East Side, you know, I used to play at CBGB's and the, there was a great music scene in Manhattan and it was grungy and fabulous and sweaty. But then it was it became too expensive to live there. Mm-hmm. And the you know musicians and artists got pushed out to places like Park Slope. And then that became too expensive when families started moving in professionals. And so then eventually that pushed the younger people out to Williamsburg. And now, you know, that is the same thing as repeating itself. And now people are getting pushed out to East Williamsburg and, and, and other areas, Long Island city. And so sort of on a side note, is Manhattan kind of like the Beverly Hills of New York city? Is that like the most expensive, like just from an outsider's perspective, like we might think like everywhere there would be expensive to live, but is it that significant amount of a difference? Well, Manhattan, there are are zip codes in Manhattan that are among the most expensive in the country, Mm -hmm. but it is happening here too in Brooklyn. Um, There are brownstones selling in this area for $6 million. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, um, Brooklyn Heights is very expensive. Carroll Gardens, you know, you, you can't get into anything for less than, you know, a brownstone you know, 3 million would be a, a fire sale. Yeah. Where Spike Lee, live, Spike Lee lives in Fort Greene. That's a beautiful area. Also very expensive. Yeah. Brian, you're getting very great geography lessons on <laughs> New York. Brian. You, you just need to grab your wife, take that flight from Fargo and hit New York City for a couple of days and visit all our friends and have them show you around. It'll happen at some point. Yeah. Well, the best way to see the city is on a bicycle. So we'll get you a bike. You come with me. I, I ride everywhere. I'm either walking, running, or riding the bike through the city. Um, and if I have to be somewhere, like I, I was doing sessions in New Jersey, and because I, I hate the subway, I would just give myself four hours to get there. And you can walk actually from Brooklyn to New Jersey. You cross two rivers, but on the other side to cross the Hudson, there's a ferry. So you get to keep that part a little bit, but 
You know, I'm a big guy. I, I cycle everywhere. I cycle from Keeps Stan you in Island. shape, you know, for the singing on stage and moving oh, around, all the stuff you got to do. It's part of tour training, but I, I actually cycle <laughs> from Staten Island to Canada to raise money for cancer. Whoa. Wow. Brian, I'm not going to bring you on a 540 mile. <laughs> well, did you head up to like Buffalo and cross over there? I mean, which way, which direction exactly. did you go? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We went to Buffalo. And then that that's the hardest part of the ride because as soon as you then make that left after Buffalo and you're heading west, you get the headwinds off the lake. Mm-hmm, not coming off the that lake. Yeah. It's tough. And you got to be careful. The truck drivers, they do not like seeing guys in spandex. What about seeing girls in spandex? I'm not sure they're too fun. (laughs) It's like a game for them. They try and they, you know, these big tractor trailers, they try and get as close to you as possible. You know, they, yeah, yeah. it's like, it's okay. But, you know, it's all part of it. Well, on, on the positive stuff, let's go back to Joyful Sky a little bit and how uh-huh. the record ended up. And I've listened to it the last couple of days. It's great. I mean, you, listen, Brian and I like blues music. We know Robin Trower. The playing's great. The singing's great. So we kind of want to hear your take on on the record and the songs. So I will be completely honest with you, as I have been since we met a little while ago. <laughs> I was really nervous. Sure. And I Legend, right? Rarely get exactly. And it was more about I was feeling the pressure of honoring a legend and wanting to be so good. In fact, better, better than good and better than I am. I wanted to be like impossibly good for him. And I was really, you know, starting, you know, to sense that I was losing focus and what happened as soon as I walked into the studio, saved the record, Robin was like, Hey, how are you? Can I make a cup of tea with his English accent? (laughs) I was like, Robin's going to make me a cup of tea. (laughs) I was like, okay. And that was it. He, he completely broke the ice with that. And I felt so comfortable. And we just sat down and we chatted and I said, Robin, you know, what, what can I do for you? What What is your vision? And that was the second moment of relief. He said, I just want Sari Shore. Just be yourself. And I mean, how does that make you feel? Legend says, just be yourself. Um, It was, I tell you know what? I probably could have just burst out into tears and throw my arms around him. But um, I real, you know, I realized, you know, the decision was already made. He chose to work with me. So this is not about proving myself. That's ego. Take the ego out of it and approach this with an open heart and just consider what can I give? What can I give of myself? to these songs, not how can I prove how good I am? That, that doesn't matter. That's, that's done already. I'm there just to deliver the best for the songs. And that gave me tremendous artistic freedom. And then the third thing that was really kind of a magical moment was when Robin said, so I decided I want you to pick the first song 
for us to do. So there was one song that I was really most concerned with because I could really take it in several different directions. And the song, I'll be moving on. Should I go more soulful R&B or should I bring it more into a blues rock? Like how, how do I really color this song so that it, it it's going to be the best version of the song possible? And when Robin said, choose the song, I chose that one because I thought if I can get the hardest one out of the way, then everything after that is just going to fall into place. Well, somehow I nailed the first song. I, I think it was in maybe two or three takes. We were, and Robin likes full take performances. So that's fantastic because it really allows you just to be in the moment, commit yourself to the magic that is going to happen in that moment. You don't have to overthink anything. There's not going to be a hundred edits. It's just going to be much more authentic. And I love to work that way. So after that song, then we, <laughs> we did the rest of the album exactly that way. Who are your influences, singers, guitar players, musicians? So for for singers, I love Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughn. And I tried my best to sound just like them. <laughs> and I actually was hired to do a jazz album years ago in France. And the producer, you know, after a couple of hours came to me and said, you know, we're, we're, we're just having a little problem in the control room. Your voice is so powerful. You're kind of like overpowering the rest of the instruments. <laughs> so I, I said, oh, you know, I, I know how to fix this. I, 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 so I actually went back into the studio, asked them if we could do something a little bit unconventional, but I wanted, I needed to hold the mic. I promised I'm, I'm going to, you know, not create too much noise holding the mic. But I, I said, I need to lay down on my back. So I thought if I could just lay down on my back and record these songs, I wouldn't have that full power. So I tried and we got through this session and the producer was satisfied. I don't think he was thrilled, <laughs> but I realized, you know, this is not, you know, if I really need to find songs and even though I, you know, I love jazz, you know, it is, I'm, I, my voice is my voice. I have a five octave range. That That's a gift. Wow. I have a lot wow. of power. That's a gift. Learning to control all of this, that was all the work that I've done for all these years. Because in order to be in complete control of an instrument, you also have to be able to be completely out of control as well at the mm -hmm. same time, but know how to harness what you're doing so that it's not overwhelming all the time. We used to joke with uh with my bandmates and um when I would over sing I would say to the guys I think I was just kind of lifting my skirt too high again <laughs> lifting that skirt again like look what I can do here's <laughs> let's go <laughs> and just oh, learning how to control that you know because just because you, you can you know have access to five octaves of notes doesn't mean you want to use them in in the first verse <laughs> right. so, it was a lot of 
lot of learning for me. But it was when I discovered the classic female blues singers, all of a sudden it was like, wow, I can really identify with these singers, Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith. I understood, you know, what they were doing, why it worked. And I understood how my voice could be well-suited for for this genre of music. And when I realized that this was really a perfect vehicle for my my vocals, it was sort of like uh, unlocking the key to a gate and just running through and just really feeling free. I never had to lie down on my back in a recording studio ever again. <laughs> <laughs> so a uh, similar question, question, but your contemporaries, who amongst your contemporaries uh, are you very fond of, you know, influenced by? I'm I'm always looking for new artists to hear about, so I always ask our guests that. So there, I've been working with a guitar player, Jim Kirkpatrick, and I think he's brilliant. He's totally underrated. He's a brilliant guitar player. He's a brilliant singer, excellent songwriter. Um, and, you know, although he has a name for himself in the UK, mm -hmm. I, you know, I, he's not known here the way that he should be at all. So, um, I would, I would say, yeah, Jim Kirkpatrick, definitely people to check, check him out for sure. Will do. You, you ha seem to have a really big following in Europe, even your live record, which came out right before this one, was recorded in Europe. I, I, you know, I know we we hit that a little bit earlier, but you know, why did you choose Europe? Kind of, what's the draw to you to Europe to do in a lot of your performances? Well, it's a question of the agents that I have. I've mm -hmm. got uh, about eight agents uh, all over the world, and uh, they all compete with each other for my touring blocks yeah so well you're just getting ready to go to europe here early spring right in this late spring i'm at, i'm actually going um in six days because i'm going to the studio first to work with henning on my new album the album the that solo album you put on hold yes, yes. for robin trower gotcha okay exactly. we're paying attention we're paying attention <laughs> thank you so in the meantime we wrote some new songs as well. So the the album had more time to grow and develop. So it really turned out to be a great thing for this next record because it, it would have already been out. But now being able to go in and really go deep into the songs has really allowed us to bring bring this record up to a whole nother level. Yeah, you. I would think too of, of doing this record with Robin Trower it's going to bring a lot of attention and a lot of people who don't know you, right? Make make them aware. And now you're going to release an, a solo record after that. It's probably a, a big boost going into it. It is. I'm I'm lucky. There's a lot of momentum behind what I'm doing. Uh, and, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for that because, you know, I've always put the priority on the music and just being a professional touring musician, no matter at what the level, you know, 
although you always want to achieve a higher level of success, for me, I always try to find the value in what I was doing and to really appreciate if I'm doing a show, that means I'm I'm working. I'm a professional working musician doing what I love and not having to do another job just to get by. So, you know, now that it's getting easier and the shows are getting bigger and the tours are getting bigger, I'm just immensely, immensely grateful for that. Are you going to do any um, shows with Robin coming out anywhere? You guys going to do any one-offs or anything? We talked about it. There is Robin is going to do some dates in May in the UK, um, but I'm not sure that I can be in the UK in that time period because my tour ends in April. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I think I'll already be back in the States. Um, so, but we are talking, we would like to do it, but what we did knowing that we, our schedules, you know, might not align. Uh, we did record a live concert that we did together. Yeah. It, it was. Where do we find this or is it coming out? So it's going to, it's, it can be streamed. Okay. Uh, and you can find that on Robin's website, robinpower.com. And they have just done a deal for a DVD. Oh, nice. Okay. Released in in a few months on DVD as well. I'm sure we'll find it on streaming service or something at some point. Uh, Brian, I know you had a question, so I'm going to jump in front of you and make a comment, but that live in Europe is record is great. And there's plenty of those performances on YouTube, even to watch. And anybody that's listening, I strongly recommend people go and check out that concert out. Thank you, Jason. So I'm making it. We really did. (laughs) It sounds, it was, sounds great. So do you play blues festivals as well? You get booked on those? Yeah. A lot of the work that we're doing, especially over the summer are the big blues festivals. Uh, My first show ever in Sweden, I was one of the headliners for the um, All Blues Fest. And, oh, it was really fantastic because my family came over from New York. My sister brought my mom and my sister's husband and the kids. And they, I got to bring the kids backstage and they got to see all the people, you know, running around with walkie talkie. Mm-hmm is and you know exactly what goes on behind the scenes they were able to come into the green room and the dressing room and then um i had to do a tv appearance the next day and asked could i just bring my niece and nephew you know they're like i think at the time they were 13 and 15 can i just bring them along and they said yeah sure and then i called back again i said you mind if i bring my sister and her husband oh yeah sure (laughs) Do you mind if I bring my mom? Entourage. <laughs> and then it turned out because the kids were there, they had them on on a radio show that they do for kids. So that was so much fun. They got they were interviewed as well. Aunt awesome. Sari making big waves for with the family. <laughs> and then we got stranded there because SAS had the strike, so we oh. got spend an extra like week there. Yeah, which was just perfect. So, Jason, is it that time of the show? Well, we have a couple minutes left with you. Um, if you wouldn't mind, if you wouldn't mind doing the lightning round and answer some dumb questions. Oh, okay. Should I lay down on the couch? It's I mean, that's up to you. It may, it may get to that point here in a couple minutes. Okay. All right, I'm going to have a drink. Hold on. Yeah, we'll, we'll let you 
Got, see, you're very European. You're having fizzy water. That's very European. It, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I stopped yeah. drink, actually, I stopped drinking when I go out on tour. Not that I have a drinking problem, but my husband is in the wine business. So we've got great, I mean, they're within the arm's reach right now. We have lot, lots of really high quality wine in the house. But when I really, when I'm about to go out on tour, I just stop, you know, having all alcohol. I know. So, I, we're going to throw a curveball and then and go to this conversation with the first question. What is, you're not drinking on tour, but what is your drink of choice? Uh, drink of choice? Well, you know, I'm going to go with coffee because honestly, the first cup of coffee, if it's a good cup of coffee, that like determines how the rest of the day is going to go. So I get coffee from a local coffee roaster here. It's um, called sticky bun because it has a cinnamon flavor too. Oh, yeah, sure, wow. sure. <laughs> and I bring it on tour with me. So agree, you know, I'm not, I love Jack Daniels, but I'm not going to, you know, say the obvious thing. I'm, I'm going to say a, a great cup of coffee. Do you put anything in your coffee? Uh, I, I put a little bit of half and half. Okay. That's it. All right. I, I can go by that. I'm a black, I like black coffee, but if just a little half and half, sure. Yeah. Take it. <laughs> I've tried almond milk, oat milk, all kinds of things. but you know, all the milks. <laughs> just give me a little half and half. I'm happy. Brian, would, our conversations on these with the guests always turn to coffee at some point. You know, everybody that, drinks coffee. Everybody drinks coffee. <laughs> all right. Hostess pies. What is your favorite hostess pie flavor that you had growing up? Blueberry. Oh, really? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody's going to say apple or cherry. Blueberry is a little curve. Blueberry. Yeah, absolutely. I love blueberry. Blueberry to this day. But you know what? I, I, I lived on that stuff when, I don't know, it's incredible. Like, I, it's amazing that my diet consisted of ring dings, devil dogs, <laughs> coffee cakes, and that I actually became a vegan for six months and then a vegetarian for seven years. You know, now I'm, I'm over all that stuff. I'm just back to a normal meat eating diet <laughs> forward, but I don't, I don't know how to survive. Balance is, balance is important in life. <laughs> everything you do, you know, diet included. Brian, did you have a favorite hostess pie flavor? You mean like Twinkies? Like, no, they had like the little, uh, not football shape. Oh, and like the crust on the outside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chocolate. Uh -huh. Chocolate, yep. Uh, mm -hmm. Lemon. I like lemon and lemon or cherry was kind of my go-to. Hmm. like those yeah not bad I'm, well i'm drooling here <laughs> <laughs> i don't even think they make those anymore to be honest with you do they they don't make like hostess pies right those little individual wrapped ones no but this is you see now this is interesting one of your listeners is going to run with this idea so i, I hope so they should yeah. they should and somebody we were the last couple guests we talked pop, favorite pop tart flavors so i changed it up a little bit so the people listening at home don't get bored of the question Oh, I would say blueberry for Pop-Tarts, too. All right. <laughs> Frosted or unfrosted? Unfrosted. Ooh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. Unfrosted. All right. That's, and I know because I had them every day after school. <laughs> every day. My parents well, were working. We had a fender. I think ourselves. we're all of the same-ish age, and I think we all grew up in the same times, and the hostess pies and the and the Pop-Tarts were pretty much staples of our, our diets. Yeah, I'd grab, I'd grab blueberry Pop-Tarts on my way to work at Burger King. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was my first professional job with a microphone. 
<laughs> and I'm not kidding. Yeah. I sang all the orders into the back. Two French fries, three hamburgers. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Song idea for this next record. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, McDonald's had that the jingle, right? Everybody remembers the jingle from the 80s, right? You know, do you remember that one? Um, All beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickled onions. Onion 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 onion. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't sing because I can't sing. What an education we've gotten. <laughs> no, it's all pop culture. It's the only thing, <laughs> only thing I know. I don't know anything else that's worth any amount of anything other than that. Sticking with pop culture, your dad was a pilot fighter pilot. What yeah. is the better fighter pilot movie? Top Gun or Iron Eagle? Top Gun. Uh, I was hoping you go. What is what is the better soundtrack, Top Gun or Iron, Iron Eagle? Oh, you probably don't remember too much. From I Iron don't Eagle, remember do it well enough. Yeah, I know you want Queen, me to Rainbow, remember. King Cobra. It was more heavier on the heavy, rock. Heavy stuff. Yeah. So my father probably would have liked that that one. So and, and that was one too where the he was a high school student and his dad was a, a pilot in the Air Force and his dad would sneak him up in F-15s and he could only fly it if he was playing his tape deck and listening to rock music. Um, you know, I it's so funny. I just saw um I, I watched a little bit of of Top Gun recently so that that it comes to mind more it's it's <laughs> all in all the better movie but you never know you know i think kitsch factor and so dumb it's good iron eagle kind of fits right in that category <laughs> it's completely and it's only a movie that could be made in the 80s because there's no way kids these days would buy all the circumstances that led to the whole plot of the movie <laughs> top gun's more plausible brian i can see brian agrees with you yeah Poor Brian. He always lets me have the insegment answers to stuff, and he, he's so patient and kind about the whole thing. Iron Eagle, Iron Eagle, the concept is more fun. <laughs> it is. Because it's so it stupid. Is. A high school student sailing a plane, flying it from an Air Force base to a foreign country that he takes on the whole Air Force to rescue his dad. I mean, come on. Hey, and you Catalog. watch that whole movie just for like, Chappy! <laughs> Luke Gossett Jr. <laughs> my father used to get in trouble. He was not afraid of adversity. He would buzz the Brooklyn Bridge, and then he would Whoa. fly over our apartment building in Queens, and we would all, my mother would say, okay, he's coming, and we'd all have red towels, and we'd stand outside in the street waving the red towels over our heads, and then my father, you would see him tip the wing a little bit of the plane with his way of waving. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> He'd get in Where did he fly? He, oh, sure. I think they were F F sixteen. So my brother okay. would All right. I he used to make models after he retired. He would go into his man cave and make models of the planes he flew. Yeah. I was obsessed with planes in the eighties, of course, being a kid in the eighties and like the F-14 Tomcat was a big one, F-15, F-16. Those are all really, what a time to be alive. Yeah, yeah. And it was cool. We have um, we have his helmet and his and his uniform, my, my brother's. What was his call sign? Did he have one? What was his call sign? Oh, good question. Yeah, I don't know. Oh. Isn't that interesting? Well, next time, next time you're on, make sure you find out because we're going to follow up with that question. Yeah, please. I, I'm, I'm going to call my brother and ask him. 
put post it on social media and tag us on it and that way we know <laughs> this is an important question this is a very important I feel like i if don't you know could... my father at all now <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you could play on stage with any artist band living or dead for one night who would you choose one one um stevie wonder and really? yeah i just yeah um I had a dream that I was able to restore Stevie's vision. And I know it's crazy. I have really vivid dreams. Um, and this dream was so real. And because of that, we became best friends and we were touring together and writing songs together. And I would just, I would love to experience that in reality. Um, I just, he's, he's one of, my favorite artist of all time and um everything that i i met his manager at the airport once when i was in frankfurt and she was just the most fabulous person and she told me working for stevie was just an absolute dream he was just so nice um and you know that that means a lot you know when you when you respect the people that you work with and you appreciate them, you know, so that's the guy. And he's still alive. So there is definitely yeah. a chance this could happen. And he is probably listening. Hey, Steve. <laughs> and he's absolutely, I mean, he loves the all things blues and Southern rock podcast. It's well known. Mm -hmm. It's well established. Uh, hi, Stevie. <laughs> Which song would you absolutely have to play with him? So you're on stage. You like, one song you just got to do. Um, you know what? I'm. I wrote this down actually. I didn't know you were going to ask this. No, this was for um, something I was thinking. Of. Let me let me see. I wrote my favorite Stevie Wonder songs, um, and um, Village Ghetto Land. That's the one. I'm not sure I know that rap that song, yeah, Brian. Deeper track? Yes, it is. I like it. Let's yeah. get it done. Let's yeah. get that done, Stevie. Come on. Okay. Yeah. What are the last three artists that you've listened to or streamed? Oh, I hate to say this, but me. <laughs> 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 Terrible. Terrible. I don't normally, but I was putting the set together today for this massive tour that I have in all of March and April. And the guys in the band were saying, you know, it would really be helpful if we knew what songs you want to do. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? All right, I'm going to, I'm going to work on that. Um, so just put, I put them into a SoundCloud playlist and, you know, cause the order of songs really has a big impact on how the audience feels. About them. Yep. So yeah. Um, and uh, then I was listening to Magnum before that. And you mentioned, um, yeah, you mentioned Magnum, yeah, yeah earlier. Yeah. My my drummer um, was in Magnum, and they, they are a, a very, very big band in the UK. Okay. Not as well known here, but because their lead singer just passed away, which is oh, why. Oh, jeez. Yeah. yeah. Right, so sad. Two days after their brand new album came out, two days after, and they had this massive tour, 
and they've got you know fans all all across Europe and suddenly you know this horrendous news it was a great shock to everybody and I want to do a tribute to to Tony and do one of the songs he's he's a fantastic songwriter so I was just listening through to their catalog to see what I can do as a tribute because Tony's daughter set up a charity so I'd like to call attention to that and honor Tony with a with a song in the oh, set. Oh, you should. Yeah, cover it in, in your sets going out here on this European tour. Yeah. And then before that, it was Led Zeppelin. <sighs> Again, What's your favorite Led Zeppelin record? Well, I, I don't know that I have a, fa a favorite one, but um, I used to cover rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see you doing that. Yeah. I could see with your vocals for sure. And it's been a long time since since I've had it in the set. Um, but I've decided that I'm going to put it, put it in for this run because oh, these nice. guys are going to, they're just going to kill it. Yeah. So, yeah. Love so, it. Those are, those are good choices. Thank, thank you. All, all right. Your last question. Cause I know you have things to do. Give us a guilty pleasure song or artist for you. Oh, 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 oh. A guilty pleasure song. Something we'd be really surprised to hear that you liked. Well, you might not expect me to say Karen Carpenter, but I think she's one of the greatest singers of all time. Uh, because yeah, of and a great drummer. Great drummer. And that is probably why, as a singer, she has such an incredible sense of rhythm and her phrasing. So um, I, I love Karen Carpenter and... Um, really corny song. I mean, we've only just begun. Yeah, great. Well, classic. Classic, sentimental. And it's sort of how I feel every day. It's like every day is just the beginning. And to approach every single day as a fresh start, no matter what you screwed up yesterday, what mistakes you've made. And I've perfected almost every possible mistake you can make because I... <laughs> keep doing them <laughs> but part of being alive <laughs> there's always hope you know only just begun this is just the beginning and you know not to give up and just you know clean slate and go well we've only just begun learning about you so we want you to come back when this new solo record comes out hear For about sure. this european yep. tour uh, because I love the stuff with Robin Trower, this new record. I love the live music. Our fans are going to really enjoy it. So we want you to come back. Uh, I would love to. And I want to thank your fans for supporting such a great show. You guys are absolutely wonderful. And what thank you're you. doing, really, what you're doing is so, so important. I tell my wife that and she just laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> tell her to call me. <laughs> well. Thank you for saying that. It means a lot to us. Yeah, we, we do appreciate that, you know. And it's a lot of work behind the scenes for, for you to organize and for you to ask interesting questions and not, you know, the generic standard stuff that you know nobody is really interested in here. I mean, who asks about Pop Tarts and Hostess Pies? Come on. Nobody. Nobody ever. <laughs> So, and, and, you know, because your questions, you're able to reveal the real people you're talking to. That's right. And that's kind of the goal that we set up with Brian's idea was to promote and get these bands and stuff in this genres that, 
you may not hear about and then really just sit and have a conversation with people like we would if we're having um, sticky bun coffee together. Yeah. Now, I'm not quite sure you needed me to be naked on this since you're the only ones who can see me, but I, I saw it. Well, yeah, because we were friend. naked too. We wanted you to feel comfortable. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> okay, I'm in good company. <laughs> now people are really piqued their interest in, in yeah, when's the DVD coming out? <laughs> yeah, well, why is it? Why isn't your show on YouTube? <laughs> well, Next it was time. great chatting with you. Good luck with these this tour and the solo record. Everybody, go out and listen to "Joyful Sky" with Robin Trower. It's awesome. Over to you, Brian. Thank you so much to Sari Shore for joining us. Thank you for being an awesome, charming guest. Thank you so much for the compliment, and just thank you for coming on. We had a great time, and can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Jason. It was a delight. Thank you so much to Sari Shore for joining us. we got a new friend, charming friend. Yeah. Uh, what a wonderful, wonderful person to talk to. I And I, again, uh, love hearing about Brooklyn and the artists they're from. It just sounds really cool. I, I don't know what word to describe it. It seems like in the Southeast, we're talking to a lot of people in their 20s, mm -hmm. or a good amount of people in their 20s. 20s mid 20s it seems like at brooklyn you there's like our the range is a little more a mature music to, to, you know early 40s yeah so yeah, yeah. and it's just a really solid mature you know vibe there seemingly and it's kind of nice too that we're like cultivating our, these ta our talent in these groups so like hey you go to new york you've got a whole group of people you can go contact and see you go to you know kentucky you go to georgia you go to Florida, Mississippi. And I love that. I love the fact that we're promoting, you know, this genres of music with different areas of the country. Yeah. And we can, you know, have a Brooklyn round table, maybe even a whole New York city round table. Boy, we've got some good ones. Of course, our buddies and Jane Lee Hooker now, uh, Sari, mm -hmm. we, we can do, and we've got Andy, you know, you name it. We Rob, Lizzie, Lizzie. Lizzie's working on a new record too. Um, okay. Right now, she's she's going to record, so she would be happy to come back on when the record's ready. Yeah, no, that'd be great. That would be really super awesome. Uh, Brian, I have been listening to that Joyful Sky record. I okay. do enjoy it. People, it just came out streaming. I, I honestly could see that being up next year for a modern uh, blues Grammy. Be honest with you, it's really good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, she is just one hell of a singer, man. Uh, powerhouse voice and again like i said uh, to her when i was talking to andy yesterday he said his, her voice was very much better live not that it wasn't good recording but it was so like he wasn't expecting how strong for it to be playing live because he said you know a lot of people can go in the studio and they can do whatever but to have somebody to be on stage and be even better than the recording is remarkable it is indeed i don't know if we should talk about eating twinkies naked but that, that's for our next guest, whoever is the unlucky person to come on here. I think <laughs> I think it's Andy. <laughs> oh, man. On that note, always remember, Southern Rock is reverent. Blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 